0: 1110 993 WBT the Pete Callender show 704 570 1110 and uh 1 800 WBT 1110 yes I have the I've got the 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 big piece at uh axios about Donald Trump creating a plan to dare I say drain the swamp I do have the story here thing was like 16 pages anyway on Thursday, uh, last week, the North Carolina State Board of Elections issued a declaratory ruling prohibiting the use of signature match verification for absentee ballots by county elections officials. What does all that mean? They issued a ruling, They so they made a decision, a declaratory ruling. They made a decision that they will not use, they will tell the county boards of elections Do not use signature match verification for absentee ballots. So when you get an absentee ballot in the mail at the Board of Elections, you are not to try to compare that signature on the envelope to the voter's signature in the poll book. Not allowed to do it. That denies counties, according to the Republican Party of North Carolina, that denies counties a common sense election integrity tool at a time of very low voter confidence. Right this, this is the other thing that gets me. If if you really want to have people engage in voting, if you want high turnout, if you want people to participate in the democracy, then you got to give them confidence in the system. Nobody would play the lottery If they thought it was rigged, I'm not saying I'm not saying people don't believe it's rigged. I'm sure some people do. But most people think that it is randomized. There's it's audited. There are controls. Right. You get your ticket and it's a random drawing and then you you can verify it. And there are barcodes and all of this. There are safeguards in place. Why wouldn't we do the same for our ballots? The Republican Party Chairman Michael Watley said we are stunned that the Democrats on the State Board of Elections are blocking the use of signature verification on absentee ballots. This misguided decision is a direct contradiction of state law. Now, who cares? We got Josh Stein as attorney general. That guy isn't going to do his job. You think he's going to enforce the law? No. he'll wait for a lawsuit to come along and then he'll, uh, you know, agree to some sort of a collusive deal. With the Board of Elections and the left-wing organization that is, quote, suing them. And then they'll just magically happen to adopt the very things the Democrats and the left-wing plaintiffs want. That's what they did before. They did it in 2020. Why wouldn't they do it again? There's zero confidence in the Board of Elections or in the Attorney General's office. And for good reason. By the way, for very good reason. I got a, a tweet here from uh, Jennifer who asked, what can we do to get rid of Josh Stein? Can we start a petition to recall him? North Carolina doesn't have recall powers. um, So no. But the question for the General Assembly would be, do you impeach him? Do you attempt to impeach him? And that's a completely political decision to make. I suspect there would not be an appetite to do so because um, if you... Do that, you re- you run the risk of, like the Clinton effect, the Bill Clinton effect, where uh, people felt like he was being picked on. Oh, poor Bill Clinton, lying under oath and perjury. And I mean, what's you know what's a little bit of cheating among us Democrat friends, right? No, he, and and people uh, rallied around him, and Republicans were then loath to ever try to impeach uh, any Democrat again over anything. So I don't think the General Assembly would move to impeach him, but that is probably the course that they would have to look to take. But the risk you run there is that you don't successfully, you know, get him tossed from office, but also uh, that you make him a martyr. And there's a timing thing, too. Um, He's going to be running for governor. Everyone anticipates that. Roy Cooper cannot run again for governor uh, in 24, so everyone expects josh stein to be running and that's why he probably made the decision on refusing to lift the injunction or ask the court to lift the injunction against the law that was passed you know appropriately so legally so that put the abortion cutoff time at 20 weeks which by the way is a completely reasonable standard and is within the majority view in america it is the majority view but Stein said that he will, he wouldn't do anything that would jeopardize, you know, reproduct a person's, a birth and person's uh, reproductive rights. Even if it means not following the law. Good to know. Our top lawyer in the state doesn't want to follow the law if it runs up against his personal political preferences. Some good information. All right, let me go over here to Stan. Hello, Stan. Welcome to the show. What's going on?
1: Hi, hi, Pete. How are you doing today? Hey, hey, I'm good.
0: It's it is Friday, and that is half the battle.
1: Yeah, we're looking looking forward to blackberry smoke at the end. All right. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to say why that probably is the majority view in America is right now. If you have a pregnancy, even up to 22 weeks, there is a good chance that it would have life, a viable life outside the womb. Mm-hmm. So you could literally, in a hospital, you could have a doctor in one room with incubators and nurses, with all the equipment they have, trying to save a life, and then in the very next room, he could go over there in the next room, and he could do he could try to take that life. Mm-hmm. And so in reality, that moral conundrum has to, has to weigh in on, on everyone over this issue, and you can't possibly have that. So I think most of Americans are there, because at 20 weeks, it's not viable outside the womb. And I think that's where most of Americans would come down, even though it wouldn't be my preference. I think it's even a life at that point,
0: but I think that's where most Americans are. Yeah, and the polling indicates that. Uh polling indicates uh, most Americans are opposed to second trimester uh, abortions, and even greater numbers are opposed to third trimester. And get this, according to WRAL, abortions after 20 weeks are really, really rare. 70% of abortions performed in North Carolina in 2020 came before... The eighth week, 70 percent happened within the first two months, 70 percent. So the first trimester, right? Roughly 48 abortions, 48 or 0.2 percent came after the 20 week mark, 0.2 percent. So
1: well, Let me ask you a question. Then. Which party is actually against democracy?
0: Oh, well, the Democrats, definitely yeah absolutely <laughs> well i i, I actually I, and this is i'm going to go down this path i'm going to start connecting all of these dots so you you're kind of getting ahead you're 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 kind of stealing my thunder here stan but uh maybe i've telegraphed my pathway
1: oh, 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 making the host look good
0: no oh, there you go exactly the old limb the, the limbaugh uh uh theorem i appreciate it stan thank all right, you take care, Hi, man. Take appreciate care. it have a good weekend um yeah the the job of the caller is to make the host look good that was limbaugh's philosophy um the Democratic Party has in North Carolina and around the country has taken active measures to undermine democracy. Active measures. I just gave you one about the absentee ballots, because what does that do when you tell your county boards of elections, do not utilize a safeguard? And I'm not saying that should be the only safeguard. I'm not saying that's the best way to do it in all cases for state. I'm saying that's one of Many things that you do in order to construct various safeguards to protect the vote. And why is it so important to protect the vote? Because that's how democracy is measured. That's how we know what the will of the people is. You have to have a clean process so people trust the results. That's how you know what the will of the majority is. But when you say, don't look at this safeguard, you're going to ignore the witness signatures on the absentee ballots. Now, what are you doing? You're undermining faith in democracy. One example. Just one. That's just one example. I've got more. Talk 1110 993 WBT. That's the black pros. All right, so going through all the ways that Democrats are undermining our democracy. Mentioned the other day, remember how they've been recruiting candidates and funding and helping candidates that are the most MAGA candidates in the GOP primaries? Democrats are funding them. They want them to get out of the primary. They want them to win the primary so the Democrats think that they'll have a better shot beating them in the general election. Is that the behavior of a party that thinks that MAGA Republicans are truly a threat to the democracy? See, there's no good answer there for you guys. Just a heads up on that. You're in a box and you put yourself there. You're calling MAGA Republicans... Trump loyal, America first, whatever you want to call them, you're calling them a threat to democracy. And then you bankroll them in the primary to get to the general. And you think it's because you're going to have an easier time beating them. Okay, I'll I'll accept that for the sake of argument. Makes the most amount of sense. I'm not going to argue over that. But what if you're wrong and you lose? Is that the behavior of somebody who actually thinks that the MAGA candidate Is a threat to democracy. If there is a chance that you're going to lose, like a Hillary Clinton to Donald Trump kind of deal, like that kind of a chance. If there's a chance that you're going to lose, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just let the Republican, the rhino or the establishment or whatever you want to call them? Why wouldn't you let them be the kid? Why wouldn't you support them? That would be something that a protector of democracy would want, right? If you truly believed it, if you truly believed that MAGA versus Rhino, that the Rhino would be less of a threat to the democracy, then you would want that one to win. Because this way, if you lost to that Rhino, then at least the democracy would still survive. Or of course, you're just lying. And I kind of think it's the latter. I really do. Now, I, I, I think your moonbat, uh, uh, Kool Aid drinking base. I, I think they're true believers, right? I think they are absolutely. The ground troops, certainly, they believe that all Republicans probably are the threat to the democracy, except Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. Right, everyone else, they're trying to destroy the democracy. All of them. So to them, I guess they don't make any uh, any distinction. Here's another way that Democrats in North Carolina are undermining democracy. Blocking parties from getting on the ballot. Mm Mm-hmm. And apparently this goes right to the governor's office. I know. Shocking. Who would have ever thought that such a straight shooter like old Ray Ray Cooper, that he would be somehow or another involved even tangentially. Now, look, they're not going to find any emails or anything like that about Ray telling people to do stuff because Ray, as we learned when he was attorney general, Ray doesn't send emails. Unlike his predecessor in the attorney general's office, Mike Easley, who used to send lots of emails, but under a different name, uh, Nick Danger. Not Carlos Danger, Nick Danger. Nick Danger was an old radio detective character or something. Yeah, Mike Easley, he who lost his uh, license to practice... Uh, law for a little bit after he was involved in all sorts of corruption as governor. But when he was attorney general, um, yeah, he used to email all around. And when he was governor, he had this fake email address. Nick Danger was the email address. I don't know if Cooper's got one. Nobody seems to care. But they all accepted it, just swallowed it whole when he said uh, he just prefers to talk to people in person and on the phone. That's how he did all of his work. And that's why there were only like four emails a year that ever came out of Roy Cooper's uh, account as attorney general. And they were usually like, Hey everybody, Merry Christmas. Stuff like that. Like to the whole office, you know, <laughs> so-and-so's birthdays today. That's it. But now you have the green party in North Carolina and they are trying to get back on the ballot. I've uh, mentioned this a couple of days ago. There's been some new developments. Um, there is a lawsuit now filed by the green party against the board of elections the um, the North Carolina Green Party pointed to identical language used in public records requests by an attorney that works at the Elias Law Group. The Elias Law Group, Mark Elias, Hillary Clinton's lawyer, Democrat, quote, super lawyer. He's the one behind all of the litigation in North Carolina over our legislative redistricting maps. Right. And. Um, He's also Roy Cooper's attorney. Yeah, he was Cooper's attorney during the recount against Pat McCrory, uh, Mark Elias was. Um, he sued over the voter ID, I believe he was part of all of that and the collusive agreements and everything else. Anyway, one of his attorneys, Elizabeth Poston, apparently submitted a FOIA request for all of the people, the signatures or the, the names and the names, um, for all the people that signed a petition saying, They want the Green Party listed on the ballot. They think the Green Party should have its candidates on the ballot. And so this Elias Law Group attorney, who works for the Democrat Party, National, this lawyer, Elizabeth Poston, asked for it. And so, too, did a woman named Amelia Brown. Amelia Brown is apparently a legal intern for Governor Roy Cooper. And their FOIA requests we nearly identical. I'm sure there was zero coordination going on, though, just because Roy Cooper is the head of the Democratic Governors Association, trying to get governors elected all over the place and trying to get Democrats elected. And I'm sure Roy would never, ever engage in any kind of dirty tricks like trying to keep an entire party off the ballot because it's going to siphon votes away from Sherry Beasley. No, no, no. He would never do something like that. I mean, that would indicate that he has some sort of political motivation. And what do we know about old Ray? No, Ray, just because he was part of the Democrat machine that ruled this state for 140 years, that doesn't mean that he is partisan or political. Alrighty, so the Elias Law Group, it's a powerful national democratic firm that spearheaded the effort to get the North Carolina Green Party off the ballot in collaboration with the North Carolina Democratic Party and the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee. They don't want you voting for the Green Party candidate because this is what democracy looks like to Democrats. That's what it must look like to Democrats. Fewer choices. They don't want you to they don't want you to have a choice of the Green Party. Now they're totally fine with you being able to vote for a Libertarian Party candidate. Go ahead. Go ahead. Throw your vote away. That's right. This is the first suggestion that these groups had assistance, though, from fellow Democrat Governor Roy Cooper. I know. I'm as shocked as you are. Roy Cooper? Really? That he would work with these national democratic organizations in order to... Harm citizens in his own state in order to gain personal political advantage. She's got no history of doing that. In the public records request, this uh, intern, legal intern for Governor Roy Cooper, Amelia Brown, uh, in the public records request, she is not listed as working for Cooper, but her address is given. And it's in Carrboro. And the Amelia Brown who lists herself on a LinkedIn page as being a legal intern for Cooper also lives in Carborough. Quote, I should clarify that the complaint specifies that we don't know for sure that the Amelia Brown that made the request is the same Amelia Brown that is an intern in the governor's office. But that's what we believe. And that's what we've alleged, according to the attorney for the North Carolina Green Party, Oliver Hall. CarolinaJournal.com reporting the LinkedIn profile referenced in the suit, retrieved by Carolina Journal, is shown in screenshots at their page. Brown's other recent roles were with Democratic and Progressive Political Campaigns. So it's totally not her. How could it ever be? No, there are just two Amelia Browns that are doing all this political work for Democrats and progressive groups. Cooper's office worked with the Elias Group and the DSCC to try to exclude a possible spoiler candidate on the U.S. Senate ballot. That's the question. And that is, to me, the most obvious answer, because you know me. I am an Occam's razor kind of a guy. The Most obvious explanation and simplest explanation is probably the true one, right? Public records requests from Brown, the intern, and from the lawyer with the Elias Group have nearly identical language. And I'm not saying in a, you know, generic sort of way. Here are a couple examples. Quote, Pursuant to Chapter 132 of the General Statutes of North Carolina, parentheses, the North Carolina Public Records Act, parentheses, I hereby request the following information and data related to the Green Party's petition to become a recognized political party. If any of the record is deemed to be confidential, please produce the portion that is not confidential. If you intend to deny this request in whole or in part, please advise me in writing of the particular statutory exemption upon which you are relying or other basis for your denial. Please inform me of any charges associated with these requests and the method of payment requested. Please produce all records you can provide as they become available on a rolling basis, even if you conclude that you are unable to comply with certain parts of the request. If you have any questions or concerns, please do not hesitate to email me. Those are all identical verbatim sentences in their FOIA requests. In other places, the language of the request from Cooper's office and the two from the Elias group are similar but not identical. Both requests, according to the Green Party, both requests were for the exact same material. They wanted the petitions that the Green Party used to collect the signatures so they could get back on the ballot. They wanted... um, You know, the names and um, uh, the information collected, both requests used verbatim language. They weren't completely identical. They were made at different times a few weeks apart. That seems like more than a coincidence, said Hall. We don't know what happened, but if it's the case that the office of the Democratic governor of North Carolina was involved in any way in an effort to remove the Green Party from the ballot... Then that raises troubling questions about the role of elected public officials and state resources being dedicated to an effort to suppress voter choice in North Carolina. We're investigating it and we don't know anything more at this point. Let me play a couple of audio clips for you. This is Matthew Ho. He is running for the uh, U.S. Senate as the Green Party candidate.
2: Almost 16,000, 15,953 signatures were verified by the county boards of elections. The counties are the level at which the validation of those signatures take place. And for people who are not familiar with petitioning, um, not just in North Carolina, but across the country, uh, the rule of thumb is basically for every four signatures you collect, three will count. It's just the way it works. People put the wrong address down. They think they're registered. They're not registered. So you generally have about a 70 or 75% uh, verification rate. So we were right in that band. Uh, We met all the deadlines, turned the signatures in as needed. Procedurally, we were correct. Uh, went to the State Board of Elections for certification at the end of uh, June, and we were denied certification because of this theory that there could be fraud, even though the State Board of Elections have failed to show that there was.
0: This should have been left to the counties. The counties verified these petition signatures. Only when it went to the state level did the state start throwing out the petitions and blocked it. He goes on.
2: We had to turn our signatures into the State Board of Elections by June first. There is an additional July first statutory deadline for us to be certified on the ballot, to be certified to be on the ballot by the state board of elections. In addition to that, in addition to that, there were requirements for us to hold a nominating convention. For have our people go and register as greens, and then for our candidates to file for office by July 1st. So after certification, we had to do all those things. This just goes to show the bad faith that was presented by the state board of elections because they didn't hold the certification hearing until June until June 30th. So even if they had certified us, we would have had one day to complete all those other steps. So this is why we're saying from the get go, this was deliberately uh, uh, planned for us not to be certified. But we presented the signatures to the board uh, on uh, June 1st. They held them for 30 days. They did this investigation where they looked at a number of signatures, we believe about 200 or so, signatures that were never verified. So never went towards our count of verified signatures to meet the threshold required. Um, At the certification hearing, the rationale was because there are these irregularities, And again the state had them for 30 days and could show us no signs of wrongdoing or fraud or provide any details or evidence of such of that Uh, but because there there are these irregularities that means there could be more and because there could be more we are duty-bound to investigate further but however since tomorrow is the deadline we don't have that time to investigate so we are not going to certify and this is why we say it's all been in bad faith because there has been no due process again the evidence is not there we fully cooperated with them and they are using this theory uh, that is underwritten with no evidence no facts no details to say that there could be fraud so since there could be and a lot of things could be, as we all know, right, Uh, we are not going to certify you.
0: All right. Now, that's the backdrop. That's what the Green Party is saying has occurred. The uh, former communications guy for two Democrat former governors who now churns out Democrat propaganda for WRL's owner who funds leftist nonprofits in the state, uh, he hears all of this. And to him, the problem is obviously the Republican members on the board of elections. Obviously so. All right, so the uh, the guy who writes the propaganda for uh, Jim Goodman, Jim Goodman owns WRAO Capital Broadcasting Company, um, so he hires this guy, Seth Efron, Efron was the former comms guy for Bev Purdue and Mike Easley, Nick Danger, and, um, and so he just churns out basically the same editorial like three days a week, it's a great gig if you can get it. Um, and it's, it gets published over WRAL.com, which we are told there's a wall between the editorial content and what the reporters do on the news side. And then, of course, you have to ignore that email that inadvertently went out that showed that they actually were all discussing stuff. But whatever. That the covers or the official story is that they're separate. And so... With all of the stuff going on with the Green Party trying to get on the ballot and the Democrats on the board of elections stopping it and the governor's office and the Mark Elias law firm and everybody asking for the petition signatures and then calling people and texting them and saying, hey, I'm a I'm a Green Party, too. But, you know, we need to we, we're going to end up harming Sherry Beasley's chances. So, hey, you want to take your name off? the? Because that's what it was. They got all this information to then target the voters who had signed the petition to get the, the Green Party on the ballot. And they were asking them to rescind, to recant, basically, take their name off the list to get them thrown out so the Green Party would not siphon votes away from the Democrat candidate. And they would lie to people about who they were when they called. So Seth Efron hears this story, and to him, the bad guys are the Republicans on the Board of Elections because, of course— He says, when the State Board of Elections acts, every North Carolina voter, regardless of affiliation or lack thereof, should be confident its motivations are what's best for the fullest participation at the polling place, fair conduct of elections, and complete and accurate count of the results, Right, which is why they all need to be appointed by the governor. Is that right? That's why the Board of Elections has to be appointed by the governor. Well, we're just going to look past that little detail. The key here is that we all need to be confident in the Board of Elections, okay? When it's controlled by Democrats, recent actions and votes by the state board raise questions about the true motivations of some board members, whether they're acting in the best interest of the voters or the political parties that they are affiliated with. In one vote, the two Republicans on the board voted against continuing an investigation into whether the Green Party had collected enough signatures to get a candidate on the ballot. There has been significant evidence of fraudulent signatures. <gasps> what? No. No. Wait a minute, so you're saying a signature verification process might identify fraud? That can't possibly be the case because the Board of Elections just said, don't use signature verification to make sure that the absentee ballots aren't fraudulent. They literally just gave that guidance within 24 hours. So are you telling me there are different standards here? The vote by the board denies the Green Party a place on the ballot and continues the investigation into the authenticity of enough signatures to qualify. The Green Party hired a consultant to help collect signatures, who is now dodging state investigators. Republicans, nationally, have worked to get Green Party candidates on ballots to provide an advantage to the GOP by siphoning votes away from Democrats. Much like Democrats helped Libertarians get on the ballot, except Libertarians actually now generate enough support in the gubernatorial races that they uh, they don't get decertified for lack of support like the Green Party does. After voting for less scrutiny of signatures to qualify the Green Party, those same two Republicans voted in favor of a request from the North Carolina Republican Party for greater scrutiny of signatures on mail-in absentee ballots. See, so he has taken the double standard and flipped it. That's what Seth Efron did here. That's what he did. He, he's flipping the hypocrisy argument that, oh, well, you know, you wanted to see the signatures for the uh, for the absentee ballots. But you're a hypocrite because you don't want to verify the, the signatures for the Green Party candidates. Well, first off, the rule says that the counties are supposed to be the ones to check the Green Party signatures. They they did that. They confirmed that. And then they sent their confirmations to the state. But then your party lawyers got the FOIA requests going. They start making calls. They're they're trying to run the clock a little bit longer and trying to stiff-arm the Green Party, which let's just assume for the sake of argument, though, that these signatures are invalid. Right? Let, let's say that there's enough that they shouldn't be on the ballot, legally speaking. But why is that... Uh, If you know that, obviously, then they should not be on the ballot, because I believe in following the law. But aren't you also then depriving Green Party voters of the ability to get on, uh, have their uh, ballot cast for their preferred candidate? You are. You absolutely are. And I thought you guys were all about democracy. Are you not? He then goes on to say, finally gets around to mentioning that some Democratic shenanigans were going on. The motivations of the Democrats on the board might be questioned as well. Notice, he's not doing the questioning. He's just—it he's, might be a question. Are they acting out of a true desire for fair elections and fullest participation or merely contrary to what Republicans push? Is that—wait, are those my only options? Wait a minute. They're, so the Democrats' motivation, according to this former Democrat comms guy— is the only motivation that Democrats on the board would have is that either they are acting out of a true desire for fair elections and the fullest participation of the electorate, or they're merely contrary to what Republicans push. That's it. That's their motivation. Oh, gee, what are the Republicans pushing? I'm against that, then. Notice, right, there's no political motivation contemplated by the political operative that now is the mouthpiece for the WRAL Owner. And so who's really to blame in all of this? Who's the bad guy? Obviously, for him, it's the behavior of the Republicans that raise the most serious concerns about motive. Is it really? Are they the ones that are calling and texting people pretending to be Green Party officials when they're not? Is that them? Are those the people lying? The two Republicans on the board of elections who said, hey, counties approve these came in. This is the process. You just approve it. And now you guys have raised questions. Now, you guys want an investigation because your law firm went and did the FOIA request along with the governor's office. And you guys got all of the names. And now you've been doing a deep dive on this. And it turns out, what, that the county boards didn't do a good job? Is that what you're saying? Those are your appointments, too, governor. He goes on to say there is no shortage of partisan pedigrees among the state board members, with the exception of current chair Damon Circosta. Who's an unaffiliated voter and needed to change his registration to Democrat to join the board? He'd been head of the uh, North Carolina Center for Voter Education, a nonpartisan, mm-hmm. nonpartisan, a leftist group that advocates for improving the election process and greater participation among eligible voters. He's currently the executive director of the A.J. Fletcher Foundation, that is a funder of left-wing groups, much like Jim Goodman. Oh, that's right. It supports a broad spectrum of charities and was endowed by Jim Goodman, his boss. Yeah, the A.J. Fletcher Foundation is just one star in the constellation of the Blueprint NC uh, organizations, left wing groups. And no, Damon Costa is a partisan as well. Just because he's registered unaffiliated affiliated doesn't make him so.
1: Thank <laughs> you.